Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast with your host, The Mindful Investor. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Joe, for being on the show. Joe Passa, Joseph Passa. I have my own firm here in Windsor, Ontario, uh, Passa Architects. Uh, we've been uh, active for about uh, 27, 28 years, and uh, we've done uh, a lot of work in the city of Windsor and in the area surrounding the city of Windsor, Leamington, uh, Essex, uh, Sarnia, uh, Amherstburg, uh, various locations, also as far as up to Hamilton. And uh, we are architects only. We're not uh, mechanical, electrical, or anyone else uh, engineers. We're strictly architects. And uh, we've been uh, working hard over the years to try and push the uh, more sustainable green uh, uh, direction. We really started that in 2000 here with uh, some of the work we did for the Catholic School Board and the first green schools that we did with them with uh, numerous things that we started evolving at the time. And we called them our green building tools. Things like uh, in-floor heating and cooling in, in buildings, not just heating, but also cooling. And of course, the regular things you can do with the buildings by uh, addressing them in the right direction in terms of sun and uh, solar shading, um, uh, good insulated walls, uh, good insulated windows. We've been using fiberglass windows for a number of years now in our projects. And... Um, um, <clears throat> Right. Yeah, and uh, so those green schools, uh, so you said the first one was for the Catholic School Board? Yes, yes, we've done uh, one of them for the Catholic School Board. It was in 2001-2002, uh, LA Mount Carmel, which we had our first green roof on. That's one thing that we're really pushing, as well as just uh, lots of daylight coming in, lots of sun shades to protect that daylight. Uh, we had a shape to that building, actually, which was quite unique, where it was, uh, it was a sloping roof which was sloping to the north. So we had daylight windows coming from the north on the high side and then large cantilevers on the, uh, on the south on the sunny side. And so that controlled daylight and sunlight in both directions. And uh, that's where we first started in the, uh, the hidden floor heating systems as well. And the, um, the uh, high air uh, levels where we had ducts coming in from those high roof levels coming across. So the cool air would fall and the heat would rise. Just looking at uh, convection inside buildings as well. And uh, that was really the start of it. And the start of our green roof, which was a hard sell at the time in 2001 to put plants on a roof. So we only got a little one. We had one about 200 square feet. But then by 2005, we had 5,000 square feet. And by 2007, we had 9,000 square feet. And so uh, by then it was really good to see. Uh, it was nice to walk on one of your roofs and see a bird fly away, that you're recreating nature the building was built on, which is a, a wonderful thing to do. Um, and we've done that with those schools, which were uh, at that time, the 2001, 2005, we had the St. Clair, or the uh, St. Christopher School, which was created by National Resources Canada as being the most energy efficient school in Ontario and fourth best in Canada at the time, using the CBIP program, the Commercial uh, Buildings Incentive Program, which we were part of. And then 2007 with our Glen Garda project, we beat that. And that was uh, number one in Ontario, the third best in Canada for energy efficiency. And these are all buildings that were rated for energy efficiency using EE for software, which was, was the, uh, had the ability to actually resolve what the building was going to do before we built it. And, uh, and then that was all checked afterwards. And uh, they worked out very, very close with the government's uh, direction as well in determining how well we did. And so uh, it's just, it was, it was very good to see that we could do these buildings at lower cost than others were building buildings for at the time. And um, 
we came out under budget. And yet we had these lowest energy efficient buildings, building a very good box and uh, building and using employee heating and cooling, which was a very efficient means to use. And, um, and uh, just again, having a, a good budget, but without renewables, we never had the money to do renewables. So we never put in geothermal, we could never put in solar panels or wind. We could not add that to our projects, but we had the efficiency there. And that was at 65%, which was uh, very high at the time over the, over the national energy model, which was what it was being um, um, uh, balanced to. Interesting. And uh, so those roofs, uh, how does it work? Because a regular roof needs uh, maintenance. Do you do you need to maintain those uh, natural roofs? The uh, green roofs are quite unique in that um, we have a very good membrane on them. It's like a swimming pool. You know, come with your tank in the swimming pool up there. So, and we were working with Tremco Roofing at the time, uh, and they would give us a, a warranty of 25 years, which was unheard of because, you know, that's that's quite a, a warranty that you have to have on a green roof because you don't want to have to dig it up afterwards, dig up everything right down to the to the layer where the roofing is. And so the the way it works is that you do have the roofing, and then you have these little cups that are reservoirs that actually maintain some of the, the stormwater that comes into them. And then uh, we have our, our six inches of uh, very high, high um, sophisticated soil on top of that and planting. And so what that does is the, when it does rain, it, uh, it uh, the ground absorbs, the, the, the soil absorbs the water, the, the cups absorb the water to you know, distribute into the plants later on, but it slows the whole process of stormwater into the stormwater system, the sewers. And so rather than overflowing the sewers and making the sewers possibly back up, we've got retention on the roofs. And so they work very well with stormwater management. And they actually filter that too. They, they, the water that comes out of a green roof is very, it's much cleaner than when it goes in. And so it's a, there, there's a lot of benefits to a green roof as well as just the evaporation that we get from it, which adds cooling. And so you may have the hard uh, you know, sun angles hitting that roof and growing these plants uh, rather than providing oxygen and providing evaporation and cooling to the environment rather than that uh, those sun rays hitting the roof. And if it's a dark roof, it's really uh, making it warmer and hotter and pushing that heat into the building. So this is actually repelling heat and, and uh, making the buildings cooler just by having a green roof. So there's a lot of benefits with the green roof as well as seeing a, a building with hair on top is what I like to say, because you can the wild grasses that can grow three feet tall and hang over the sides and it's quite a unique look. To, uh, to have on a building. Oh, great. And what type of uh, plants do you see on those type of roofs? Uh, they're usually, you want to stay with indigenous plants. Um, we've had uh, black-eyed Susans. You can have a lot of uh, um, um, just plants that absorb water, that hold water a lot. Uh, there's a number of, um, of uh, roofs that are not built with the soil. That, that's called an extensive roof. They're built with trays, and that's a different system entirely. And they have plants more like a cactus almost where they're retaining water within them. They don't need as much water. They just have a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, of granular material rather than soil in them. So they work totally different. They don't provide any benefit in terms of stormwater management. They don't slow the water down. So really to, to build a, the better green roofs, in my opinion, are the ones that we've been doing with soil. And so it just, uh, it works a lot better. And, and then you have a, 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 a vast uh, variety of plants that you can use that flowering plants rather than just the uh, succulents, which are the ones that maintain water uh, a lot. So it's nice to have uh, a bit of uh, diversity in the roof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so you mentioned uh, the orientation of the building. Uh, how, how do you work with, the, with that? How do you orient the building for optimization? 
Well, um, there's many ways you can do many different buildings, but um, like for instance, if we're doing a large apartment building, I like to put them always north and south. And so that gives people on their balconies and on their views, sun on one side in the morning and the afternoon they have the other sun, not north, south, and you know, not attributing east, west. So someone's always in the dark and someone's got too much sunshine on the other side. So that's just one very simple orientation, but with, with schools and other buildings where you can control it, you want to uh, use the sun and use it for uh, maybe solar panels. Maybe you want to slope the roof for solar panels. And you know that then contributes to having a higher part of the north side, which brings in daylight. So you're doing daylight harvesting on that side. Or if you're doing things with, um, with solar, uh, with uh, south-facing roofs, we like doing these bulk, uh, bounce bulkheads. And so they're not just sun shades coming out, but they're actually low and they're on the inside. And so when the sun comes through, uh, it'll reflect off that bulkhead that's built inside and shoot onto the roof, uh, the ceiling inside the room. And we've done those at the University of Windsor here where we've had shutdown procedures on the lights in the, the Forge Fitness Facility, which we finished there. Um, and we have three tubes in every fixture, but during the day, when the sun comes out and these bounce ball kids shoot the light around the ceiling, it all drops down to one fixture turned on, uh, one tube rather than three. So we're, we're only using one third of the light by using the daylight coming naturally from the outside. So that term is called daylight harvesting. So you do that in that way, you do it by um, bouncing light in, you do it by protecting the light, you do it by letting the light in high on the north side. So you do whatever you can uh, to, uh, to work with uh, daylight. And uh, most often, for, in terms of sun control, you'd have horizontal sunshades sun facing south, but on uh, on the east facing the, 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 in the morning, you may not need sunshades at all, but you could use vertical sunshades. And definitely on the west side, you would use vertical sunshades because as it comes around, the, the horizontal, uh, the sun would be going under the horizontal. So you want the vertical to protect that a little bit more as it goes around the later part of the day. So there's just ways that you can get as much light as you can in the building and yet still protect it. From the sunlight. You want sunlight in buildings too. You want sunlight on plants, you want sunlight to maybe see, but you can't really work if you've got sunlight on top of you if you're sitting at your desk or somewhere. So you want to experience the sunlight, but you can't have it disrupted you're doing just at the same time. So you want to control it. Mm -hmm. So you just orientate your buildings. Same with the house. I mean, in the house, you'd want to have your, your breakfast nook or your kitchen you know, in the morning in the sunshine. You may want to have your shower in the morning in the sunshine, which is always a nice thing to do. And then maybe towards the end of the day, you want your lounge, your living area, your master bedroom, maybe facing the west so you have some nice general sunlight coming in at that time. So you always try to look at, you know, the climate uh, direction, the direction or south direction of how you're building and see where, you know, how best you can attribute your spaces. Fantastic. Well, that's very interesting. And um, so one of your latest projects, the Guayo Green Twin Towers, there, there is also a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, green in, in it. And, uh, and you've done a major, I find major innovative uh, uh, creation. So can you talk as, to us more about this project? So who was who the initiator? And uh, what's well, the... you know, we, we're always doing research. We're always seeing what's out there and uh, what's happened in the world. And it's, it's really quite amazing right now that there's so many great websites that uh, come right to our desk every day with uh, the wonderful things that people are building throughout the world. We're really, I think, in an amazing time architecturally because there's just so many great things happening. People are really doing some, some wonderful, beautiful buildings everywhere. And, uh, and uh, there was a building that was built uh, by Stavano Bori 
in Milan, Italy in 2015. They finished in 2014. It started in 2009. And, and it really, he, he coined the term uh, vertical forest and it's called Bosco Vertical. And, um, and he finished it in 2015. And now if you look at it, it's just covered in, in the plants that they very methodically went through and determined that they could use on that particular site with that particular climate and how to water them and take care of them. There's a high maintenance on them. But uh, that really was the uh, was the, the, the you know the start of uh, of uh, vertical forests in a building in, in as a building, and uh, and where we got our, our our direction from really looking at that kind of a building. He's now gone ahead and put them up in China, and he's just finished one in the Netherlands. It actually really started in France. Uh, there was a building in France called the um, what was it called the uh, uh, white white flower tower, I think it was called. And that was built in 2004, and it was a lot less low, lot, a lot, lot more low tech than these. There were just a bunch of uh, potted plants put all around the building, but it did lush up the building on the outside. Did a lot of the same things that these buildings we try to do with these buildings by um, making them cooler. Again, with the evaporation, they're 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 letting off cooling. They're uh, they're bringing in fresh air. They're doing uh, uh, they're doing great things for ourselves and living with nature in a vertical building. Yeah, they're stopping the sprawl and consider that, you know, if we want to really build be with land and being close to nature, uh, we make our cities bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, this is one way to avoid uh, land sprawl and have that same kind of sense and feeling in a, in a vertical building. And so uh, vertical uh, uh, forests similar to this can be quite useful. And I, and I believe just the counteracting the urban heat island effect is a major one because all our downtowns are so hot and we're reflecting the asphalt off the roadways, we're reflecting the concrete off the buildings, glass is being reflected back and forth. It's all heating up to make our downtowns very hot. And so imagine if we had a series of vertical forests going through our downtowns and our downtowns eventually evolved into totally vertical forests. And we had this life living on our, on our, on our, on our balconies with, with birds and butterflies and everyone living with us in a very cooled environment. It would go a long way to helping our, our climate initiatives and in trying to control our, our, you know, the uh, problems we're having with climate at the moment. Great. And who's, um, so you're the architect on this project? Yes, we've designed these buildings here. Okay, and who's the developer? Uh, the developer is in Toronto. They're a group of developers, and so far we've kept that confidential. But uh, that when, it, when, when the project moves forward a little more, that will come out. Uh, but uh, they're very much behind what we've been doing, and uh, we've been on this now for about eight months. And so it's, uh, it's a direction around just uh, starting to go through the city processes with. And uh, we've submitted uh, just for a pre-consultation with site plan control. Uh, the buildings uh, really do not need a lot to work with zoning. We're, we're fitting within the zoning of the city of Windsor. Uh, we, can, we can go this high and we can uh, have this density. And so it's, uh, it should be very much approvable. And so uh, we feel that uh, it uh, really should proceed. Great, that's really exciting. And what's your sense of the how does the city uh, how does the city react uh, to the to those vertical forests? What was what's your sense on their on their taking? Officially, from the city of Windsor, nothing, <laughs> nothing yet. Um, so I haven't got anything back from them. Um, but by virtue of now speaking to you. And what happened when we list when we put that up on on, on our LinkedIn page and our and our Facebook page 
was quite astounding. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it before. We had uh, 282 shares, I think, and it went out to 49,600 people, whatever, so far. And, uh, you know, I don't know, 10,000 uh, responses back and 500 and something comments. And it, it was 99% uh, positive. Of course, there's some people that did, did not like it, but I think that it really hit a nerve with a lot of people. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, you can look up vertical forests and see that there are many planned around the world. There's not a lot of build, not a lot of them built, but there's definitely uh, planning in the stages and in the works for them. And I think that, uh, you know, it's something that we all have to look at very seriously. And uh, I know there's a couple planned right now in Toronto and, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're happening, you know. So I think that the, the more we see this kind of thing, get it out there, uh, you know, others can look at it and we could do more of them because I think we really do need to uh, build it in this, in this way. And, and also make them as, as energy efficient as possible. Uh, that's one of the big problems with our buildings is that uh, we're using 45% of the world's energy and we're producing 45% of the, the world's greenhouse gases uh, with our buildings. And so we've got to change that around and there's no reason why we cannot change that around and make them energy producers. Why can't we have energy on the buildings actually making their own energy and maybe giving more energy back to the grid and not just make them net zero, but make them net positive. And I think that's one direction we really have to go into and electrify. We've got to get rid of burning fossil fuels. And uh, you know we've got to find our way through that. And I think that's happening now too. And again, so many things are happening in the world that are in, in, in this vein right now. And you've just got to go and see them because they're getting built right now everywhere. It's just a lot of thought being taken and, and uh, going in this direction. I think we've got to follow up on it in all the locations wherever we are. Okay. Unlike the schools, the, I, I believe those buildings will have uh, solar panels. Is that correct? Solar panels, we're, yeah, we're proposing solar panels on whatever faces we can get them on and even possibly along the roof as much as possible. So what, what we've done so far is conceptually, you know, started the project and, and we're working towards the design development and the contract documentation, but that will all be determined. Right now, we're trying to get as much as we can on the building. And so, you know, that will all be evolved and eventually, you know, we'll know exactly what our stats are in, in terms of uh, how much we're going to have, where, everything else. Okay, and would this building, would these buildings have a, a green roof, or more more likely will have a solar panels on, on the roofs? The roofs on them are not very big uh, on top, and we're looking to have decks up there. But there's other things that have to be up there. For instance, we're going to need a crane because when these trees die off, they're going to have to be replaced. And so there's going to be a little train with a crane, a train going around it to you know go down, pull a tree out, put a new one back in. Uh, the trees, the way that Stellano did them in Italy, they're actually, they're bolted in place on a steel, on a, in a planter, but they've got steel uh, rails around them just to hold them in place for wind loads so they're not getting blown out of their root, uh, you know, ball. And, uh, and so, you know, those things might need to change. But, so the roof will be a very active roof, but we do still want the roof uh, uh, for, uh, for users as well, so they can have a great view from the city. Um, and, uh, you know, use it for green as well. So we'll put whatever we can up there in planting. Uh, we look at the area where we have cars because we've got a, a strong uh, uh, four-level podium for cars where that could easily be uh, uh, as much plant out as we can. Maybe even a uh, greenhouse where we can uh, have uh, uh, the inhabitants, the users of the building, uh, grow their own vegetables, which is another thing I think we've got to go towards as well. 
and uh, and we've got to have these buildings that are multifaceted with many aspects to them. And so there's no, re no reason why that deck area cannot be used as green roofs for planting and uh, even greenhouse uh, development on them as well. So mm -hmm. again, that's all things that have to come down 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 the road as we go further. And where, how do the roots of the trees grow? Where do they grow? Well, they're plants that, they're, they're, again, they have to be very specific that they do not grow too far. Okay. And stay within the area that they have to keep them in. And in um, speaking to one of the, uh, the, the landscape architects that we're working with on the project, they're actually designing systems now to work with that and they're designing pods that work with that certain style of plant. And so there's a lot of science now that is coming to play here uh, with various individuals and companies that are trying to put these things together. Our direction that we really want to do here is make this affordable. We want to do whatever we can so that we all could live in it and it doesn't have to be a very um, high-end building in the end and, and cost a lot of money to live in it because of having all these good features. So I think if we're going to go long-term with these kind of projects, uh, we've got to make them affordable and we've got to make them open for everyone. Interesting. And uh, will your work on those towers be informed also by the work on the schools with the, all the insulation and all this? I'm sorry, what's the question? Uh, will you use some of what you've done on the schools also on these buildings in terms of insulation? Absolutely, absolutely. There's, uh, we always try to, uh, to work at, um, with as much insulation as we can fit to make these uh, buildings as energy efficient as possible. We're doing a library right now also in, uh, in Sarnia where we're, we're gonna heavily insulate the building. We're gonna use uh, um, mass timber and uh, yet we're still gonna use uh, uh, sun facing, uh, windows facing south and bounce ball kits to get as much light in, daylight harvesting, uh, vertical shades, uh, all the good stuff as much as we can put into this project as well, uh, just to uh, you know, work up as much as we can to save energy and to make the building function naturally as possible. So uh, green rooms come into play a lot and uh, you know they help, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, cool the environment and, and recreate the ground from them. Mm -hmm. Well, there are, you're certainly working on some very, very exciting and uh, exciting projects here in Windsor. Is it the first project of its kind in terms of in, in Canada? Uh, the vertical forest? No. Well, yes. Whether we get this built for the ones in Toronto, I think the ones in Toronto are ahead of us. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're, I think one of them could be starting construction. Now. I'm not quite sure. I read about it, but I'm not quite sure where they're at, what stage they're at. But uh, it should be one of the earlier ones, yes. Uh, some of our green buildings, they were very early. In the early 2000s, we were, uh, we were you know, one of the earliest ones in the country at that time. And at that time, everything was in, very, in the infancy stages. I mean, even Lead Canada wasn't there yet. I mean, they started with Lead BC and then it went to Lead Canada. And, uh, you know, there's very few people in the rooms and, and uh, even in Toronto when I went up for meetings uh, at that time, 35 people in the room that were all formulating, uh, you know, the Lead aspect for Ontario. So it was very early stages at that time, but I think things have really caught on uh, uh, and uh, throughout the world, uh, uh, you know, the green movement has just escalated. And, uh, we have to build this way and a lot of people are building this way and it's the right way to build mm -hmm. that's what we should be doing and there's no reason why we can't and people think that that, that these buildings uh, are going to cost a lot more money and sure they can you know if we put in the uh, the solar panels and the, the geothermal that do cost more money but you know the, the payback is there it might be a little bit more upfront cost but the payback is there in the long term 
And uh, we've got to look at that with every building we build and, and look at it much more in detail. Great. Well, that's really exciting. Thank you so much, Joe, for uh, sharing with us uh, the, the projects you, you're working on. And um, yeah, so how can people learn more about uh, what it is your firm does? Uh, well, we have a website. <laughs> I was looking on the website and see what we've done there. Um, it's interesting that you even mentioned that because we've got a, a, a page on our website called Green Building Links. And uh, it's just all the links that we use when we look for something and it helps us. But other people have discovered it. And so uh, almost weekly, I just got two this week, uh, one this week, one on the weekend uh, today, uh, of people uh, saying that they found the page very useful for their research. And these are people in the UK, they're in California, they're all over the world. And, and then they say, well, this page might help here too. And this page may help here too, how to recycle better, how to do this with existing buildings or whichever. But it's getting a lot of really good traction. And I think it's just uh, really cool the way it's come together. And we just keep on adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. And, uh, and it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. And so, uh, so that's, that's a neat feature that's automatically happening right now with the website, which I find is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. So but our website's there, you can always get in touch with us and we're trying hard, that's all we can do. Right. Yeah, and I put, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay, Joe, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. I'm sure the audience was really excited to learn about the, those, uh, those green schools, those vertical forests. It's, uh, it's the way of the future. Vertical forest. Virtually, they wouldn't be here, but vertically, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> vertical forest. <laughs> Okay, yeah, vertical forest. We need them. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.